This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. Well, I'm here. Mark's still on vacation, hopefully having a great time. The name you did not hear is behind the glass. Nick, good morning. Nick's going to, you're getting a little more speaking uh, parts here in the first hour. That's exciting. Yeah, I thought you'd be excited about that. Uh, Should we put you co-co-host today? Uh, Yeah, I'll go ahead and take that talent seat. And you are a very talented person for sure. All right, here's what we got planned today. Dan Cordy, the executive director of the Mobile Sports Authority, will join me right around 7. He's got a lot on his plate. I'm sure a lot of you will be very interested to hear what he has to say about Lad People Stadium, where the direction of that stadium is going. Uh, they have a press conference later today to announce one of the historically black college football games coming to Mobile. So there's a lot to talk about. Plus, they have the pole vaulting uh, down at the Dolphin Street. Is that something that gets your interest to go look at though we have uh, drew bentley coming on to talk about it in this hour about the pole vaulters on dolphin street uh i've never been before but it sounds interesting i think it is too i mean this is to watch those guys skying through the air and everything so here's what we got planned for this hour uh alphonse taylor and i give you credit for this nick for tipping me off that he's now coaching at Alma Bryant, the former Alabama lineman, former Davidson standout, Alphonse Taylor. They call him Shank. I'll stay with Alphonse. His nickname is Shank, but we'll talk to him at 6.30. Drew Bentley on the pole vaulting contest. And Dan Cordy here at 7. And then later on, the voice of the Crimson Tide football program, Eli Gold at 7.30. South Alabama Athletic Director Joel Erdman. Now, yesterday, uh, South Alabama announced their Fall Fan Fest event which is coming up in August. Joe will talk about that. But I also wanted to get him in here with Dan Cordy to maybe talk down the road about the possibility of getting semifinal games in high school football playoffs, maybe at Hancock-Whitney Stadium. And then we can talk to Joel about uh, scheduling down the road also once uh, some of these conferences you know, have stopped realigning for a moment to see what's available for them. Nate LaRue, remember him? McGill Tulin, Auburn. Catcher assigned with Toronto. He'll join us at 820. And then Doug Kunkel, all there is to know about South Alabama's football program and who they're bringing in. Uh, in a capsule, this is July 13th. My weather report, hot, humid, and rainy. Can you add to that at all? You think that's pretty good? for? I don't have a meteorology degree. Uh, cloudy. Cloudy, too. Okay, you want to put cloudy in there? All right. All right, Nick, I'm going to get some of your thoughts here. Yesterday, did you watch the ESPYs? No. Oh, you didn't watch the All-Star game. But by the way, you know, I I mentioned yesterday you did not watch the All-Star game. Not many did. Lowest rated All-Star game ever. 3.9 rating, just over 7 million. I think it was the uniforms that turned people off. All right, Mm. we'll get away from that. All right, so we'll talk about uh, last night at the ESPYs. LeBron James was presented with the record-breaking performance. He's now the NBA's all-time leading scorer, breaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And the award was presented by his wife and his three children. They're kind of grown up. I guess 
two of them are teenagers. There's a third one. I'm, I'm trying to remember. doesn't matter. Uh, LeBron spoke out and said, I'm not retiring. I didn't think anybody thought he would. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah, I was kind of wondering where that came from. I know at the end of the season with the Lakers, you know, he, he, he basically gave out a cryptic message that I got to think about my future. There's been all this talk about him wanting to play with his son, Bronny. Once Bronny finishes up his first year at Southern Cal, maybe get drafted to play together. But I never for once thought he was ready to give it up. He'll enter his 21st year. There's only a handful of players that have ever, ever played in the NBA 21 years or more. Yeah, I, I was uh, watching a movie, and then of I get a were. breaking news alert on my phone, and it says, breaking news, LeBron is not retiring. And when I first saw it, I thought it said LeBron is retiring because that would be breaking news. But... It was just nothing, because I think we all knew that he wasn't going to. I didn't think he was, and I was a little surprised that he came out at the SBs and announced that he is not retiring, but I don't think many people thought he was anyway, and he will be returning to the Lakers. Lakers, in the minds of many, and I don't know about the famous uh, Stephen Root, Nick Wiggins podcast, but in the minds of many, the Lakers have had a great offseason, have they? Yeah, bring back all your guys that you had for half a year last year that, you know, got you to the Western Conference Finals. You're getting them all on a pretty good deal. And, you know, a lot of people thought they were going to have to pay Austin Reeves four years, $90 million. They're paying him $56 million. So, yeah, they're doing pretty good. So LeBron James coming back for his 21st year. And, and I've said this before. I His wife introduced him as the GOAT. If you want to, that's fine. I don't have a problem with it. Everybody's got their favorite. I will say this, though. After reading the book by Jeff Benedict, I have a lot more admiration and respect for LeBron James, what he has done. You go through 20, 21 years of NBA, four years of high school, and from what I could see, no drama. None, no arrests, no airport handguns. I think the most serious thing that ever happened, and I mentioned this a while back, according to the book, he was handed at a clothing store in Cleveland when he was in high school. They gave him a jersey or so, and this became a huge issue for whatever reasons. I don't know why. And he was going to be suspended for his senior or junior year. And it got cleared up. They went to an attorney in Cleveland and got it all cleaned up. Some some guy some guy in Ohio was trying to make headlines that I'm going to keep LeBron out. I don't know if it was jealousy or whatever. But that's the most serious I can think of. I can't imagine an athlete going 20, 21 years with as clean a record, except maybe Derek Jeter. Yeah. I mean, LeBron is... As Charles Barkley would say, the greatest story in all of sports. As a father, right up there, right up there. You know, he came from a broken home. Remember, I don't even know if he ever got to meet his father. I know that became an issue, and they tried to uh, get away from talking about it. I don't know much about that, but uh, raised by his mom. His father 
is Delonte West. I'm sorry? There are rumors that his father, his biological father, is Delonte West, the old NBA player. That it's kind of fallen on hard times. I don't think that's true, though. I don't think that's true either. No, no. That w- if that was true, that would have been out there. I mean, really out there. Yeah. All right. Some of the other stuff uh, for you soccer fans. The USA men's national team got bounced yesterday in the semis of the Gold Cup. They lost to Panama. It was one-one. They lost on penalty kicks. So now it's Panama and Mexico Saturday for the Gold Cup finals. We talked about this. In fact, we even had a guest on a few weeks ago, Hard Knocks. They have picked the Jets. I guess they'll start rolling cameras next week. Jets report. The Jets coach, Robert Salem, did not want to be on Hard Knocks. Obviously, the intrigue and the drama with Aaron Rodgers joining the team. This will be their second time. The last time they were on was 2010. You know, you you go back, uh, Nick, and you, you you think, gosh, this has been going on for a long, long time, Hard Knocks, but I've, I don't think I've ever seen a full episode. Well, one reason is I don't have HBO now. Mm. But when I did have HBO, I rarely ever watched it. Not to say I, I shouldn't or not to say it's not done well. It's just not one of those shows that I'm, you know, attracted to. Yeah. Well, I I think if you can find a team with some good storylines that you care about, uh, the last time I watched a full Hard knock season. Every episode was when they uh, went to the Raiders with Gruden and Antonio Brown when he was in the hot air balloon and his feet feet were freezing off or whatever. But I, I actually prefer the new hard knock show they have, the regular season hard knocks, where they'll go to a different NFL team at week eight and then go from week eight to the end of the season. That can normally be interesting. That was Arizona last year. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Texas, the Longhorns, they play Alabama in game two. The overwhelming favorite to win the Big 12. There's comments out there today from Steve Sarkeesian. Really wants to win the title in the last season. The Longhorns will be in the Big 12. Sports information directors in the SEC – This happens always prior to SEC Media Days. Overwhelmingly picked Georgia to win it all this year, which is a break from tradition. Usually it's been Alabama. So after two national titles, Georgia's caught their attention. Twelve of the 14 sports information directors voted Georgia number one. Alabama got one vote. LSU got the other. Our big four are going up Sunday to cover SEC Media Days. During the week, they ask media members to vote how the teams are going to finish and pick an pick a all-SEC team. Now, I will say this. I'm using an arbitrary number of 1,000. Let's say they have 1,000 media. Usually, you get about a quarter that actually vote. So, Nick, I don't know if you intend to fill out a ballot or not, but if you did, would you have Georgia at number one, Alabama, or somebody else? I'm going to put Vanderbilt just so there's like that, who's the one guy who voted Vanderbilt? And then that can get me a little bit of clout. I'll get on Paul Feinbaum. I'll go on Dan Patrick. I'll say, yeah, yeah, I'm the guy who picked Vanderbilt. You know, years ago, a good friend of mine is the PA announcer, covers Ole Miss, Glenn Waddell. And he always voted Ole Miss number one. <laughs> By the way, 
there is a secret to getting on Paul's show. Do you want me to share it with you? Sure. All right. At the end of media days, the last person standing, the last media member, whether it's writing, broadcasting, whatever, gets to go on with Paul. In other words, after everybody is cleared out, this would be Thursday late afternoon. If you're just hanging around and nobody else is there, you're it. That's how you get on Paul's show. Maybe I'll camp out on uh, Thursday and bring bring a snack with me or something so I can. They have snacks there. up there. Even the, after they shut everything down. Well, what they do on Thursday is to give you a box lunch, right around noon. I, I, I assume they'll have an apple in there and maybe a cookie or something like that, plus the sandwich. So what you do is you you, you eat your sandwich and save your apple or piece of fruit or whatever they have in there for you. But w- during the morning. Just collect them and put them in your pocket. You think I need to bring some nice clothes for those, like, media banquet things at night? I don't think you have to go the extra mile. I think whatever you're wearing during the daytime is good. It's not a dress-up thing. It's not like you need tie and jacket. You don't need a tux. I think it would be beneficial to wear WNSP merchandising, which you've been getting for us i think that would look good especially during the daytime and i think that would go over okay at night now as far as i know now of course i've never been to nashville for this because it's never been there but any event i've ever covered i never changed whatever i wore during the daytime which you know uh dress pants uh a, a logo shirt was good enough for at night Okay. You're going to have fun. All right, let's take a break. We got a weather, maybe more detailed than my report, traffic coming up, and also a scoreboard. Not much on the scoreboard, but I do have headlines for you. That's coming up. And when we come back, you know, we talked about uniforms yesterday, a real surprise with the Yankees uniforms. I'll tell you why when we come back. This is Showtime boxing analyst Steve Farhood, and you're listening to Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP. The real question for me is, can I play without cheating this game? The day I can't give the game everything on the floor is the day I'll be done. Lucky for you guys, that day is not today. He was presented with the record-breaking performance. I believe his wife was the individual who presented the award. His three children were there. I say children. Bronny, right now, is he, I guess he's is he enrolled or about to be enrolled at Southern Cal? Boy, that, that's going to be. You talk about the pressure. Uh, and he wasn't even their highest recruit. They had others come into that Southern Cal program. I just can't imagine. You know, we talk about uh, Victor Wembiana, the pressure on him. But how about on Bronny James to carry the James name into college? Yeah, it's a uh, it's a tough name to have in basketball, LeBron James Jr. And that's what he has on the back of his jersey, James Jr. But I mean. It's LeBron. I don't think anyone expects him to be anything close to his father. But I think people just hope that he plays good basketball. Well, here's the thing, too. You don't have to make comparisons to college because LeBron went right from high school to the NBA. So it's not like, well, we're going to compare his numbers in college with his numbers as LeBron's in college because there weren't any. And the other thing, too, I I haven't really watched him play, but from what I've read – 
he's a lot like his famous dad in that he's not the guy that's going to go out and throw up 30 shots or anything like that, that like his dad, he tries to get people involved in the offense. Uh, maybe again, you know, pass, look for openings, things like that, instead of being a ball hog. That's my impression. I don't know. You Have you seen him play at all on? Yeah, I have. He, uh, he's like LeBron in the way that he's a winning player, a selfless player, and a smart player. But I, he's more of a 3 and D type guy. He's not like a star of a team, but he could be a really good complementary piece in the NBA uh, in the future. But no, he's nowhere uh, near LeBron. Rarely do I talk about uniforms. It came up yesterday, and in fact, when we had Dan Jennings on, I was going to ask him the question, but he beat me to the punch when he was not too happy with the National League All-Star uniforms. Uh, compared it, if you heard the show, compared it to Johnny's car wash softball team. But today there's a story about one of the most iconic uniforms ever, and that's the Yankee pinstripes. And if you've watched the Yankees play, you know they don't have names on their back. They have the interlocking NY. They have the pinstripes. But that's it. I mean, it's been that way since Ruth, Gehrig, whatever. So today it was announced that the Yankees have entered into a partnership with Star Insurance and will wear Star Insurance logos on their uniform, home and away. It's like a $20 million deal. It'll go through 2031. You know, we talk about break from tradition, and this has been one of the traditions that have lasted forever with the Yankees' iconic uniform, so they will have logos on their uniforms now. And then they're going to put wall signs out in the outfield, star insurance, and so forth. So... Somehow, some way, that company got to the heart of the Yankees. Maybe they can use some of that $20 million to go out and find themselves a hitter. Yeah, I'm surprised that the number's only $20 million. See, I didn't, is that a year or forever? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't it read it that closely. And now I'm wondering, is that just for one year, or is that like every year through 2031? Because the Yankees are really hurting for money, right? <laughs> right. That's why, I'm, that's why I'm wondering why they uh, did it, because... I don't know. I just I imagine that company logo looking very off on that jersey. I would think so too. So Major League Baseball has announced that they'll open up the 2024 season in Seoul, Korea. I wonder if Dennis Robin will throw out the first pitch. No, uh, the Dodgers and Padres Korea. in Seoul, Korea, March 20th and 21st, be the first time. They've played a regular season game there. Then they're going to go to Mexico City later on, and they're also going back to London. You having fun? I'm having a blast. Alphonse Taylor is next. He's coming up, and we'll talk to the former Alabama offensive lineman about his new coaching gig, and then Drew Bentley on the pole vault contest downtown coming up this Saturday. is 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 different 
They have a different look in their eye. They look different on the hoof. They interact with one another differently. Um, I've used the adage, I feel like this team's on a mission. This team is, is, is different. They have a different look. Steve Sarkeesian, Texas coach, interviewed by ESPN. Texas, according to the ESPN Football Index, is a 54% chance to win the Big 12. The index claims that Ohio State has the biggest opportunity to win a conference title. They have Ohio State winning the Big 10, 71%. And that struck me as odd, especially with Michigan. You'll see polls that will come out that have Michigan rated higher than Ohio State. But the ESPN Football Index has Ohio State, 71%, second-best chance to win a conference title. Texas and their percentage at 54%. Uh, So far, we haven't been able to catch up to Alphonse Taylor, the former Alabama lineman who is now coaching at Alma Bryant. And, in fact, he started this week. And I talked to him yesterday. Wish him well. Uh, I assume he's coaching the offensive line. You know, that would make the most sense. But anyway, uh, Steve Sarkeesian, very optimistic, says this is his, uh, the last year of Texas in the Big 12. He wants to win the title, feels very good about the team, says it may be more of a passing team than a running team because they're top runners now with the Atlanta Falcons. So he is confident that they will probably go to the air, which he himself says fits his style more so than, let's say, a ground game. Felt maybe they kept the ball on the ground too much, but why not with Robinson running the football last year? They're certainly knee-deep in quarterbacks, starting with Ewers, and who knows, uh, maybe maybe Arch Manning will get a shot at it during the season. But that second game of the year, boy, does that loom large now. Texas and Alabama, that'll be a 6 o'clock game on ESPN. Did you ever answer my question about are you even going to vote on that media poll when you go up there? I know you haven't given it much thought, but if you... Oh, that's right. You said you're going to pick Vanderbilt. Right. Which is timely because you're in Nashville. That's right. So maybe I'll I'll do Missouri. And they're they're there on day one. Uh, Nick will be up there representing us along with Stephen Root and Corey and Michael Bronner. And we've had guests on this week and asking them about storylines going in. Now, on tomorrow's show, usually on Thursday, Paul Paul Feinbaum joins us. He'll be on tomorrow's show. We'll get his take and who he's looking forward to interviewing. Last year, it was all about quarterbacks. I mean, it was like wall to wall. Who's your top five? Who's your top seven? Who, who are the best quarterbacks? And and it started out with Bryce Young. I don't know if there's a clear-cut favorite, but I would have to assume that Jaden Daniels, when the polls come out, and it's all preseason, take it for what it's worth, that Jaden Daniels probably will be the number one quarterback. And then it's your call who you want number two, second. Is it Jefferson of Arkansas? Spencer Rattler. I think Spencer Rattler, and we had this conversation yesterday, is one of the, the real intriguing stories. You know, this was a, a, a player that, when he was at Oklahoma, 
was considered a shoe in a favor to win the Heisman. Things didn't materialize. He got beat out by Kyler Murray. And so then he transferred to South Carolina, had a slow start last year, came on, did well, did okay, and especially down the finish. And he's going to be up there also in Nashville. It's pretty wild that a guy who lost out on a job to Kyler Murray is still in college. Because Kyler Murray's been in the NFL for, what, three or four years? Do you know that Kyler Murray was drafted very high in the Major League Baseball draft? I did know that. That's You, you mentioned Arizona earlier in the show because we talked about hard knocks and how they visited Arizona and how Arizona flamed out, especially when Murray went down. And that's one of the storylines in the NFL, really. Is this the final go-round for Murray with Arizona? Is he... Like, if he can't produce, that they'll be looking for another quarterback? Well, I don't think he's going to be playing at all this year. Is he out for the whole year? Um, I mean, he just signed, like, the one of the biggest deals a quarterback's ever signed. So, uh, I wouldn't write him off just yet. We were supposed to have Alphonse Taylor on. I did want to mention, when it comes to recruiting, that Alabama has reeled in another offensive Lyman from Texas, uh, Lindale, Texas, highly rated offensive lineman Casey Poe has committed to Alabama. That gives the uh, Tide 13 verbals for 2024. Meanwhile, there was a transfer to Auburn from LSU, Demario Toller, linebacker, and he's not on the roster anymore. I don't know if this is a, a big issue. I don't know if Hugh Freeze will address that up in Nashville, but apparently there's no reasons given but Toller, who was supposed to be one of the major transfers during the offseason for the Auburn Tigers, is no longer on the roster. And I also noticed yesterday that a, a receiver, I guess he's a junior, at Gautier, Mississippi, his name is Dylan Alford. He is transferring to defending 6A stand champion Sarah Land. How about that? <laughs> so Lacey, the quarterback, in addition to Ryan Williams and a bunch of other outstanding, talented receivers. He's got another one. This guy caught 58 passes last year for his high school. Uh, I, with, with Ryan Williams there, I'm not sure he'll get the ball as much. Never know. 1,300 yards and 16 touchdowns last year. For I, I, I think he was at Gautier High School. Maybe he was at a prep school or something like that. But transferring in from Mississippi, so he'll be ready to go when Sarah Land opens up against Lipscomb Academy, uh, August 25th. We'll be coming out, oh, in a few weeks with our high school football schedule, also our game days, which we will start that week of uh, August 25th. We'll be visiting high schools. Uh, we'll be talking to um, head coaches and players and getting, I'd say, really in-depth on uh, what's going on with some of the, the great high school programs in this area. Speaking about... Getting in depth, I, I mentioned when Dan Cordy comes on, and he'll be here in about, uh, I guess, 20 minutes or so. They got a lot on their plate today. There's a press conference scheduled for this morning. They're going to announce teams coming in for the historic, historically black uh, college football game. There's two of them this year at LAD, and we'll get uh, Danny's take on that. Also, uh, what's going on with LAD? A lot of stories about LAD. And, and isn't it something like this crops up, it seems like, every year? What's the future? What are they going to do with the stadium? Once Williamson gets its home field, 
And I know it's in the works. They're talking about it. Probably have it done, I guess, in two years maybe. So you're only going to have, what, one high school football team that still needs to play at Ladd or somewhere else, and that's Murphy. That will be the only uh, local high school team without a home stadium, Murphy High School. So, you know, that's in the works. Uh, but, again, the, the, the storylines around Ladd, the money that's being spent to keep it going, and that's something that we'll be talking about at length this morning because it seems to be, uh, let's say, a, a headliner uh, locally for sure. All right, we've been talking about, well, a number of subjects this morning. Uh, Drew Bentley will join us, uh, McGill Toolin, a track coach. He'll talk about the pole vaulting contest coming up uh, this weekend. Always an exciting event as they kind of cordon off the uh, area around uh, Dolphins so the pole vaulters can go to work. That's, uh, that's another big event that's coming up uh, this weekend. So, uh, there was a, you know, and I know in addition to watching movies, Nick, you also watch Summer League base, uh, Basketball. Did you watch Chet Holmgren yesterday? Yeah. Is he back? Oh, he's back, and he's good. He's really good. Chet Holmgren, for those who don't remember, short memory, was the seven-footer out of Gonzaga, left after his freshman year. He was the overall number two pick, never played a minute for Oklahoma City, got a foot injury, was out for the entire year. So whereas there's a lot of talk about Wembiana and his future with San Antonio in his first game. I guess you could almost say the same thing about Holmgren. Yeah, I mean, he's capable of winning Rookie of the Year this year since he didn't play last year. Um, and that's happened a few times before. Blake Griffin didn't play his uh, season. He got drafted the next year. He won Rookie of the Year. Same with Ben Simmons. He won the Rookie of the Year award the year after he was drafted. It could happen. He's really good, and he's not as skinny as he used to be either. Um, looks like he's put on some muscle. He moves around a lot better than Wimbenyama does. I mean, he's also like three inches shorter, but. Not, okay, what is he, 7'1"? Seven, seven, yeah. Wimbenyama, at the measurement, was 7'3 Not that it really matters once Without you're that shoes. tall. You know, I, I can remember. Back when, when seven-footers did not want to be classified as seven-footers, they preferred 6'10 or 6'11. They felt there was too much pressure when you were a seven-footer and beyond. So who is the tallest player now? I see where Porzingis signed with the Celtics. Isn't he taller than Wimbiana? No, right now it's Wimbenyama. At 7'3 and a half? Mm -hmm. What's Porzingis? 7'3 mm, seven, seven, maybe. And Holmgren's over seven. So Holmgren yesterday, Summer League basketball game, helped his team win. I think he had 25 points. I'm glad he's back. I, well, I knew he was coming back. I'm glad he's contributing. And it's kind of neat that he's playing in these Summer League basketball games also because, let's face it, he's been out of basketball for a while with that uh, foot injury. So kudos to him. Hope things work out well for him this year. We'll take a break now, and then we'll come back. We'll catch up with Drew Bentley on the uh, pole vaulting contest that's coming up this weekend. For Nick Wiggins, I'm Lee Shervanian. Co-host coming up in just a few minutes is Dan Cordy with the Mobile Sports Authority. You're listening to the opening kickoff Thursday morning, WNSP and WNSP.com.
Hey, this is David Morris of QB Country. When I'm in my car, I always have it tuned in to 105.5 WNSP, the sports station. about with Drew Bentley, McGill Tool and Track Coach. Drew, good morning. How are you today? I'm great. How are you doing? Looking forward to this weekend. All right, give us the details, and then we'll get into some questions about the pole vaulting contest, Downtown Mobile. Okay. Well, it is our 12th annual Dolphin Street Vault. It's like a uh, pole vault festival, street party. It starts at 8 a.m. this Saturday, and uh, we have uh, 100 and 70 pole vaulters in the general assembly of pole vaulters, and then we have our elite pole vaulters jumping at around 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock at night? Yes. So this is going on from 8 a.m. to seven, uh, past 7 o'clock at night? Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. So, first of all, you you, you, you really got my surprise. How many? 100 and how many? 70? Are we? <laughs> Well, we, uh, you know, we we shut down the registration early this year because uh, it was just it, it, it's gotten very popular, and uh, we had to turn people away. Well, are these legit pole vaulters, or people say, "Hey, like this looks like fun. I think I'll just grab no, no, a pole." No, 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 no. These are legit USATF member pole vaulters. Um, yeah, we have like, like, um, yeah. I mean, it's. <laughs> Yeah, and the elites, we have uh, a really good roster of uh, nationally and internationally ranked vaulters. You mentioned the elite. Who's, like, number one? Who, who's who's the guy to watch? Um. Well, we have, uh, you know, South Alabama has the NCAA champion this year in the pole vault, uh, Kyle Rademeyer, and uh, he is pole vaulting again. He jumped for us last year. Great. See, I brought that up. I was at a meeting last week. And Rademeyer's name came up because of what he did with the NCAAs, and I asked him, is he going to be in the pole vaulting contest? You answered the question. He'll be there. Oh, he will be there, and he and he will have some good competition, too. So what was um, his best time in the NCAA? Well, uh, this he has a PR of 19-1, um, and, so he, and he won NCAAs with, I think, 18-8. So is anybody else that's entered in that category of 19-1? Yeah, we have some. Yeah, we have. I mean, like, yeah, he's he he's gonna have his hands full. Uh, we have uh, we have a couple of professional pole vaulters that are you know post post college that are sponsored coming in. Um, so yeah, he'll have he'll have his hands full. Talking with Drew Bentley, McGill Toolin uh, track coach. Big big. This thing has really grown. Right? Can you go back to the what twelve years ago? How many com competitors you had? Twelve years ago, um, we put the whole thing together in a couple of weeks, and it was really – we did it on a whim. <laughs> and uh, we ended up having, I think, 119 pole vaulters. What's the prize? What's the ultimate prize? Uh, <laughs> glory. <laughs> oh, there's no money, no money involved or no uh, – uh, no, we don't know. We do not give we, cards we, down yeah, there at Dolphin Street. Awards, um, really nice awards that uh, we got over there at um, Camellia Trophy. They made these fantastic laser etched crystal awards. Um, 
But uh, no, we don't do prize money. You don't have to. I mean, you got to understand the mentality of pole vaulters. You know, this is like a chance for them to to be on the best stage and uh, you know be a rock star. You know, it's high energy. All right, Drew. How about if this? How about if Nick Wiggins, our producer, comes down there and presents a WNSP shirt or jersey to the winner? Is that acceptable? Sure. Nick, you're not doing anything Saturday night, are you? He's going to have to hang out. It's going to probably not be until 10 o'clock at night. Oh, he's just getting started. Yeah, that'll be about the time that I'm getting down there. Yeah, that's right. He's <laughs> he's a downtown guy. So, uh, what is, as far as the roads, streets, and everything, what's open, what's oh, not? Good question. Okay, so the it, it can think of the event. You know, it's like a block party. It is free. Everyone comes out. They set up a, a you know a chair. They usually bring a cooler, or they or they go into local you know uh, you know merchants and buy food and drink all day. Uh, and hang out. We play music outside, and it's like a big, big block party between Jackson and Joachim Street, uh, and it's on Dal- the, the the pole vaulting actually occurs on Dolphin Street. Uh, the streets get closed um, starting at you know Art Walkers is Friday, but we uh, our permit and we start setting up um, on Friday at four o'clock. So that particular block of Dalton Street will be closed off and we'll be setting up um, on Friday night. So uh, you said they start at 8 in the morning. I mean, is this continuous or do they, is there like a break in the day or everybody just keep... We have, uh, we have, uh, we have one long runway on the, each end of the runway is a, a pit for them to land. So we're running two sections at once um, all day long. Um, so, you know, we've got to knock out Basically, we have eight sections of like twenty-something pole vaulters before we get to the elites. How do you get to? How do you get to the eventual winner? Well, uh, we we flighted these into groups according to ability, and so as the day progresses, the talent increases. So uh, right, you know, right before the elite competition starts at around seven, we have the emerging elite boys and the emerging elite girls competitions. And that's basically a collection of everyone who wasn't quite good enough to make the elite division, but it's from those two divisions, the emerging elite girls and emerging elite boys, that we give our open awards away to. You mentioned Rademacher or nineteen one. Is anybody coming in who's better that? Uh, no, we have some people that have tied that, um, and that are currently jumping just as well as he is jumping right now. We've got guys coming. We have um, uh, Keon Howe is coming down from the Carolinas, um, and he's been jumping very well. He's been over 18 feet the last couple of meets he's he's been to. Um, and we're bringing in some of his NCAA um, uh, competitors from different schools. Like we have some guys coming in from Texas A&M. We have some guys coming in from Kansas. Um, we also have – but on the girls' side, I mean, we've got the girl from last year – who um, she finished second at the Women's USA Championship and uh, was like uh, U.S. number three, um, Alina McDonald. She and she set our meet record last year at 15-4. If you, if you were still pole vaulting, how high could you go these days? 
If I was still pole vaulting, I haven't pole vaulted in over 20 years. I know that, but you know, again, you oh, never lose it, right? I mean, it's. You, I would. I would be in. I would be in the emerging elite. I would not be in the elite. Drew, I wish you the best. Sounds like a fantastic event. Obviously, that many competitors. Wow. Oh uh, yeah, it's going to be crazy. And we have uh, this year. Last year, we had our first uh, clubs from Texas come over. And so this year, it looks like we have about 40 vaulters out of Texas. Nick, would you uh, – Nick, I can't even – oh, there you are. Would you like to compete? I mean, just for one shot at it? Oof. Could you do it? <laughs> How high do you think you could go? I could get at least um, 5 foot 11 inches off the ground, I think. That's normally what a high jumper does. People can high jump over seven feet yeah. without a pole. Well, this is pole I'm, vault now. I'm, this is oh, not I'm high jump. I'm already five foot eleven inches higher than the ground now. So I guess, um, I don't know. I feel like if I were, to, I would like mess up the pole or like fling backwards away from where the padding is and land on the crowd or something. I don't it think is. It, would be it is a risk. That is true. That is true. Yeah, we need him in one piece because he's going up to national next week. So we, we don't need anybody on the injured list. Hey, Drew, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Oh, man, I appreciate it, brother. Well, joining me in the studio, it's been a while since we've been together like this. Dan Cordy, the executive director of the Mobile Sports Authority. Do you have anything to do with this pole vaulting deal? <laughs> well, good morning, Lee. Good morning. Man, it's kind of early. I don't know how you guys do this every morning. That's a good question. I'm not <laughs> sure I know either. Um, did you put this together too well we uh i believe it was back in 2011 when the first one happened uh we were i guess very involved in in, in helping it out uh drew bentley thomas folks approached us and said hey i've got a crazy idea and yes it, it is a crazy idea but it's one of those unique mobile events as my spot says that uh that really has taken off and it's really something to see and uh uh and, and we encourage people that come on down and, and, and take it in because, again, there's no admission. Just come on down and eat in a restaurant, drink, uh, have a drink, and, and, and watch them go 5-11 or whatever you guys want to do. <laughs> it's good to see you. A lot to talk about today. Press conference is coming up. You said there's some issues there that keep you uh, busy with LAD. That I want to find out when we come back. That's what I want to find out when we come back. All right, Dan Cordy will join us, obviously, through the rest of this show. In the 7 o'clock hour, Eli Gold. I'll let you talk to him. You being the Alabama fan, you talk to Eli, all right? I'd love to. Yeah, you're going to get that opportunity. Uh, for Nick Wiggins, I'm Lee Shervanian. First hour in the books, hour number two coming up. Stay tuned. Opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shervanian. The opening kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. 
As you know, Mark's on vacation. Uh, during this hour, you'll hear from Eli Gold at 7.30. We'll have a Chick-fil-A giveaway at 7.20. Mark, uh, Nick's in the house. Uh, he's running the uh, board for us. And our co-host from now through the duration of this show is Dan Cordy, the executive director of the Mobile Sports Authority. How many years now for you running the show? Well, total, if you go back to the old Mobile Area Sports Commission days in the late 90s, uh, between 19 and 20 years. Congratulations. Yeah, that's going to say that's a long time, isn't it? We talk a lot about like events and, and the lasting effect. And I know like yesterday, uh, Joe Gottfried was in here and we talked about the the bowl game. And that's it's 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 been here forever. I mean, it seems like that way over 20 years. Uh, and Mike with team focus, how you know, cause a lot of times things start and they fizzle out. I know that. You know, the Mobile, I'm sorry, Mobile, the Alabama-Mississippi High School All-Star Game started here right. and stayed around for a long, long time. Then they moved it, but thanks to the efforts of you and the Sports Authority and others, that you know, it's back here on, on maybe a rotating basis. So I will give this, and of course, what used to be the Junior Miss, now the Distinguished Women, that's still going. Right. So it's, you know, you say, well, you know, do things die out? Well, not necessarily in this city. It, and it's 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 really you almost can't tell what's going to work and what's not going to work. I mean, you mentioned the Alabama Mississippi football All Star Game. I mean, it started here in 1988 at Lad, then it went away. It came back. I remember that first year sitting in the stands. There were about 20,000 people in the stands for for that game. Now, with with the internet and and there's just different ways to get your information now and see these athletes play or, or, or whatever these the all-star games as you see there's not as much attendance anymore and so as a sports authority what we try to do is go out and get i guess what's called participatory events where you go out and 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 bring an event in that not only brings the the competitors in but the families in too so you we gravitate more toward the youth sports so that would be 18 years years old and younger because then you have parents coming in grandparents siblings and all that so so but in terms of of your question it it, you're right you're not really sure what's going to take and what's not and the bottom line is that whatever it is has to be supported at some level well you know what takes youth sports i mean look what happens down at foley Gulf right. Shores, and let's use an example. What happened this past weekend with this uh, basketball tournament? Well, that, that we uh, the, the Mobile County Commission through the American Rescue Plan uh, allocated us money to buy ten portable, brand new basketball courts, which equates to fifteen volleyball courts. Because what you're doing, you're actually buying a one foot by one foot tile, and we bought like sixty two thousand of them. So this past weekend, because we had courts already. We were able to host a basketball tournament, primetime Gulf Coast AAU tournament, for the previous nine years that had been held in Pensacola because we could put 10 courts down at the convention center. We had 140 teams in with about 90 of those being from out of town. And 140 teams, by our records, is the largest youth basketball tournament ever held in Mobile County, breaking the record from last month of balling on the bay which broke the record of the previous week of another basketball tournament. So the investment that the the county made uh, in in allowing us to buy those courts has is already paying off, and and we can see it paying off in the future too. So it's 
It's, it's, it's all about, it's a lot about the facilities. Seems like every year stories abound about Lad People Stadium. You told me you're involved, talk about it. What's, what's the future? What, what, why has this become such a, a controversial issue? And what, why can't something be done just to put it to rest? Well, uh, and, and there's so many moving parts to this, as you well know. You got time. You got time. <laughs> we got, a, what, an hour and 45 yeah, minutes, right? Time. And it might take that plus more. But, but really, the, the lad situation, uh, I, personally, I'm a kind of a traditionalist. I like lad. Lad's been good to the city and the county. Uh, I, I, I like to see ways to keep lad. These the HBCU games. Uh, if you remember, we uh, hosted the Gulf Coast Classic for 35 years up to 2009. Then that went away. When I came back to the Sports Authority in 2011, one of my goals was to try to bring that back, that HBCU game back, because uh, the the passion of of the college football fan and especially the HBCU fan was something that I think that we were missing out on. So. It took a few years to find the right promoters. Uh, we started with the fifth quarter classic in 2016. That that evolved to the Gulf Coast Challenge of what it is today. <clears throat> as, as you know, last year, Coach Prime brought his team in here. We had 32,000 people in the stands. Was stand. that legit? The was, attendance figure, was that pretty legit? Yeah, that was pretty legit, and I have pictures to show you. So it it, it – the the 30,000 number, which is kind of the number being bandied about there, was a number that I threw out a year ago right about the time of the Deion Sanders game. And what, what, a few things. It's easy to take down the two end zones to go from 40,000 to 30,000. That's, that's a, a very economical way to do it if you keep the sidelines. The other thing is the, the, uh, the 26, 27, 28, 30,000 number is bigger than both Alabama State and Alabama A&M's home stadium. And and you want to try to – you don't have to be that much bigger, but you want to try to be a little bigger uh, than Hornet Stadium is 26-5, Alabama A&M in Huntsville is 21. So – and then you, you can delve even deeper in it. So, well, really, what's the average crowd? And our average crowd – uh, just from the numbers that, that we've announced on the four Gulf Coast challenges that we have hosted in the fall has been 21-1. Now, that's, a tr that's still a huge event for us. I mean, 20,000, 21,000 in anything in Mobile is big. So uh, a lot of this, I, I guess, discussion is, is really over a few thousand seats, and I'm hoping that the school board and the city council and the mayor's office will come to a, an agreement, and we can go forward. Why did the school board want LAD? What are they going to do with it? Well, the first thing, and I think you alluded to it in the first hour, is Murphy. And, I mean, of course, the school board has plenty of land they could go build another stadium on. If Mur if you can't build it at on Murphy's campus, which you can really not, then you can go, you're going to have to go three or four miles away from it anyway. So maybe they go four or five miles away from it and build – a stadium for Murphy on school board land. So uh, with Lad being there, I, I think the school board also saw a, a, an opportunity to possibly uh, expand on that, possibly put softball fields in, a baseball field in, because if you take the seats down from 40 to 30 or 40 to 27 or whatever, you don't need as much parking. So you can use some of that uh, to land to develop that for, for both Williamson and Murphy's programs too. So um, I'm, I'm optimistic that things are going to work out, but 
nothing's ever easy, is it? No, it isn't. And and we go back a few years. Remember when the mayor and was getting together with South Alabama, and I don't remember all the details. You talk about moving parts. Remember when they were going to have right. a deal going right. on? You probably can remember more than I can about that, and it fell through. Well, it, it came back to protecting lad. Um, the, the community in Maysville uh, are very protective of lad. And again, I, as I mentioned, I'm a traditionalist, and I want to see lad uh, be as good as it can be. But in my opinion, if this deal does not go through with the school board, I, I worry about lad's future because I don't really see, and, and this would be something that the, the, the mayor and the city council would have to address, I don't really see the city putting a, enough money into lad to keep it uh, as, as nice of a stadium to, to bring some of these HBCU games in we're talking about. Which, which venue is more economical for the city, lad or the civic center? Do any of them bring in a bunch of events anymore? We actually run a, a, a lot, I say a lot, but several events in the Civic Center every year. And I think if the Civic Center was upgraded, which it sounds like that's where it's going with it, we could we could bring it even more events. I mean, I've, 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 I guess begging would be maybe a strong word, but I've been asking for a separate indoor facility for sports only for several years now because of the growth of youth youth basketball that we just talked about. Volleyball has, has has exploded too. Even we could even put pickleball courts indoors. Which pickleball tournaments they they want to be inside. They don't like the wind. So uh, if, if we had our, our own freestanding facility like the the Finley Center in Hoover, that that would be a, a perfect example where there's 11 permanent basketball courts, 17 permanent volleyball courts where you walk in and and all the goals and the nets fall from the ceiling. So it's that would be something that we could probably keep busy all the time. But right now we're fighting with events, and I don't want to say fighting, but we have to we have to get events uh, or the or the convention center calendar because of conventions, group meetings, and things like that. You're you're competing with with that. So uh, I mean, several weekends, for instance, next year. I already know I can't do because of several things going on at the convention center. If we had our own freestanding facility, we could bring these volleyball and basketball and even pickleball tournaments in and really bring a lot of money in. I mean, uh, for instance, this past weekend, I'm estimating, I don't have the final numbers, that it was about a $2 million economic impact from this youth basketball tournament. So you do those a few times a year, and now we're, now we're getting somewhere. So, But you have to have a our own freestanding facility to be doing that. Danny, we're up against the clock now. We're going to take a break, but what's the press conference about today? Port City Classic, uh, something we've probably you've heard about already. It's our second HBCU game. Alabama State will be hosting Grambling. 11 o'clock is the press conference at LAD, where uh, I believe the coaches will be here. And uh, we're with the, with the success of the Gulf Coast Challenge, uh, we're going we're gonna to add another one to, to Lad's calendar and, and see how it goes. So we're excited about it. Appreciate you coming by. When we come back, we'll have our Chick-fil-A giveaway, Eli Gold on deck at 730. So keep listening to the opening kickoff. We've got weather, also traffic update, and I'll do a scoreboard. More so headlines. Don't have many scores to give you this morning. So that's coming up in uh, just a few minutes. This is artist Daniel A. Moore. You are listening to WNSP Sports Radio. Chick-fil-A. 
I could eat there seven times a day Where the people laugh and children play Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A All right, here's your uh, question, by the way, uh, with Chick-fil-A. Code uh, Moo, M-O-O. Visit playcodemoo.com for free Chick-fil-A food rewards while supplies last. All right, here's the question. Paul Skeens of LSU was the overall number one pick this, well, just recently in the baseball draft. Uh, LSU won the national title. Who was the first player ever drafted overall number one who came off winning on a state championship team or an NCAA championship team goes back a ways. And I believe it's the only time that had been done prior to schemes. He was the first overall number one pick and his team won the NCAA championship. If you know the answer, Nick's waiting for you. Six, nine, four, one Oh five, five. Uh, Dan Cordy joining me. And we've been talking off the air about some of the things. And again, I, I wasn't, I'm updating myself. Does the school board now run Ladd Stadium, or is that still an issue? No, that's uh, technically the city of Mobile has owned and still owns Ladd. There, there was a, a board over the top of them that was recently dissolved, so the city owns Ladd, and this is the agreement going back and forth to try to to sell, I guess for lack of a better term, to the school board so the school board could have Murphy have a home game, home team, I mean a, a home stadium, and also uh, in, in listening to uh, Johnny Hatcher, Doug Harwell, uh, Cressel Threadgill, they want to expand it to a bigger sports complex. If you take the stadium down from forty to 30000 or 27000 or whatever they're going to do, you won't need as much parking, so they'll use some of that space for uh, girls softball, uh, high school baseball, and, and those could be the home fields for, for Murphy and Williamson or anybody else that, that wants to play there as a tournament. So now, to answer that's a long answer to a short question is right now, no, the city of Mobile owns land. So what's the next step? What happens next? Well, next, uh, next Thursday, I believe the school board has a work session where this will be discussed. The city council has passed an agreement already and sent it to the school board. Now, just like in any kind of negotiation, it's going to go back and forth. So I'm sure the school board... The, the, I believe they meet on the 24th. The, the idea is hopefully they'll pass something. It may not be exactly what the city council sent to them. They'll pass something, send it back to the city council, and between the 24th and when the city council meets on, the 20, on Tuesday the 25th, hopefully the attorneys can, can get all that language straight and the council can pass the revised agreement on the 25th and we go forward. Now, what my worry is, and I've, I've mentioned it uh, in interviews before, is the timing of this. We have a brand-new field that needs to go into LAD. The, the city has approved the field. What's wrong with the current? Th- that field has so many holes in it, and, and it was never, you know, not to disparage anybody uh, that was dealing with it, it was not really maintained as well as it should have been. And it's it's 13 or 14 years old, and, and those artificial turf fields especially in the south where the sun's beating down on it all the time are designed to last 10 years so uh we we need a new field which cost about roughly five hundred thousand dollars and and it's it's been passed by the city council but it's being held up until this deal goes through and it once once they actually start it's about a 45 day project and that's if you get good weather and let's face it we're in south alabama that means hurricane season and 
you know, knock on wood, let's hope we don't see any of that. But even a, a, a two or three days of rain puts you back. So we're 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 banging our head on the on the deadline here, and I'm I'm a little worried about that. So in addition to two college football games coming to lead, is this and and the high school with Williamson and Murphy, correct? Right. Any other events that they place inside that venue at well, all? Well, they do uh, they do concerts outside. They've ha- they've had a circus in the parking lot. I mean, C.J. Drinkard is the the new manager. Been over there a little more than a year. And I think CJ's done a really good job in, in trying to figure out different ways to get uh, events there, and, and 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 so, but let's face it, it's a football stadium. But you do have that big parking lot that that, that can be used for other things. Hence, why the school board's interested in the property. But uh, uh, basically, I know they've done some camps out there, uh, but and, and as I mentioned, concerts, uh, circuses, and. And who knows? You take those two end zones down, you you might be able. And the idea is to build a stage in one of those end zones. Let's say it's the north end zone, and so you always would have would, ha- would have a stage there that's right there, ready for bigger concerts. Right now, all the concerts are set up in the parking lot. I remember going in 1988 to Lad for the Jimmy Buffett concert. They set him up in the north end zone on a stage. I mean, there was probably 25,000 people there. I was one of 25,000, and it was pretty cool. Now, granted, outdoors, in, and this was in July, outdoors in July, you kind of got to deal with the heat and a possible rain, but it was it was really kind of cool to see Jimmy Buffett at Ladd Stadium. Dan Cordy, the executive director of the Mobile Sports Authority, joining us. We're kind of bumping up against the clock. Did we get a winner on the Chick-fil-A? No. One more time. That's a tough one. It is. Prior to Paul Skeens getting drafted, overall number one, and coming off a championship, NCAA championship with LSU, who was the first player, and I believe the only player prior to him, college player that was drafted overall number one and having played for a team that won the championship that same year? I will give you a hint. He was very famous for, well, I'll tell you what. I'll give you another hint. His name is synonymous with the day of the week. How's that? So you're down to seven. (laughs) (laughs) So you're down to seven. It's synonymous with the day of the week. Eli Gold's on deck. You got some uh, Alabama questions for Eli, and we're looking forward to him coming back this year. I'm just interested. Yeah, I just want to listen to him. You You love that voice. Yeah, I figured you did, and I'm going to have you ask some questions also. Danny's going to be here through nine. We got a lot of... Well, we got a lot of room for him to talk about what's going on between the Sports Authority, uh, LAD, uh, South Alabama. Uh, these are all topics of conversation we're going to get to during the next 90 90- We get to hear from Eli Gold, the voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Welcome to the show this morning, this Thursday morning. Good morning, Eli. Good morning to you guys. How you doing? Good. Now, before we talk Alabama, and I'm going to throw you over to a big fan of yours, Dan Cordy, the executive director of the Mobile Sports Authority. He's my co-host today. Okay. I saw that story, and I know you're a Yankee fan, 
and yeah. the iconic uniforms, the interlocking NY, the pinstripes and everything, no names on the back of the uniform, and now they're adding a sponsorship logo, Star Insurance. Yeah. Ouch. Hmm. Yeah, things, you know, times change. Uh, I don't know how many millions, maybe you have heard the figure. 20. I have not. 20. But, um, yeah, they're... they're They've got a, a sponsor coming on on, on the uh, on the sleeve of the of the Yankee uniforms, which you know it's I, I don't like it, but I understand it certainly. You know it it is what it is, and it's he can't afford in this day and age to leave money on the table. So I, I know why they're doing it. I I respect the fact that they are doing it. I hate the fact that they're doing it. There are certain uniforms that need to be as is, pristine, and uh, the Yankees, I think, should be one of them. But uh, I understand from a business standpoint, you just can't leave however many millions it is. You can't leave all that money on the table. Mr. Gold, Danny Cordy with the Mobile Sports Authority. Thank you for joining us today. Big sure, fan. Danny. And one other thing I want to mention, speaking of uniforms, uh, did you guys dislike the all-star uniforms? Oh, as my badly goodness, as did, did we? Yesterday, uh, I was getting Dan uh, Jennings uh, of the Washington Nationals, who co-hosted earlier this week. So I had that question. That was going to be my next question. Before I got to the question, he came on and said, oh, those uniforms, they reminded him of Johnny's car wash softball team. <laughs> it became yeah, quite right. an issue. It reminded me of the old Chicago White Sox. Uh, they wore oh. those type of unis uh, for a year or so. I just loved when everybody wore their own team uniforms. That It just looked cool. And, you know, it was nice to see all the different uniforms and this, that, and the other. I I just thought it was it was terrible. Whoever came up with with that design really uh, dropped the ball. They really did. But you know, I don't, I'm not sure if they're trying to appeal to our our demographic anyway. I think they're trying to appeal to the the 15 to 30 year old demographic, which of course sometimes we can't relate well, to. Very that well, that may be, but those guys, those people aren't watching the game anyway. And Nick's Nick's in that age group. He didn't watch the game. That you know, I. I'm with Eli on this one. I, I was disgusted with those uniforms. Yeah, you know, I'm disgusted. I don't know if I was disgusted. It does, it's not that important in the overall <laughs> scheme right. of life. But I was disappointed. I always look forward to seeing everybody in their uniforms, uh, in their own uniforms. And that was always part of the allure of the All-Star Week. And, and that, that apparently is gone now as well. Hopefully not forever. Hopefully there will be enough negative feedback that uh, they'll return to the uh, regular unis come next year. And speaking of uniforms, I don't believe Alabama has changed their uniforms in, in all these years either, have they? Well, they, they did a little bit a few years ago. They had an almost imperceptible uh, line around the collar area. A, a, you know, you really had to look for it and know to find it. Uh, and uh, it was there for, uh, it was, a, a, you know, it, it, I forget how many years ago now it was, probably six, seven, eight years ago, nine years ago, I forget. It was right around the collar line, and it was, like I said, it was, uh, it was you know, almost, if, if you didn't even know to look for it, you couldn't see it. But no, otherwise, uh, there's been no change. So in other words, like, Al Alabama like only got Penn one. State. 
you know, all these certain schools that just don't need that. Then, then, of course, on the other side of the ledger, which they tell me is a huge recruiting tool, is Oregon, which, you know, changes uniforms every day and, you know, twice on Sunday, it seems like. And, and they tell me that the kids of today love all those options that the Oregon Ducks have. And it's a, a true recruiting tool. So, uh, you know, who knows? Like you say, it, it may just be a generational thing. Uh, us older folks like it <laughs> the way it was and the way it's always been. And uh, the newer generation tends maybe to, to, to like the, uh, uh, the variety, if you will. Well, Mr. Gold, this is the first time I've had a chance to talk to you, and you sound great. So are you ready to go for this season? I am ready to get going. As a matter of fact, I've got a uh, full day today in the studio. Uh, one of the things we offer our radio station affiliates are, you know, customized promotional messages, promos, as we call them. And uh, today is my day to sit in the studio here at home and record, I think it's like 112 uh, promos. You know, hi, this is Eli Gold for such and such a radio station, you know, hope you can tune in and, you know, join us for Bama football and this, that, and the other. So, yes, uh, uh, it really starts to crank up now, and uh, I'm looking forward to it, ready to get at it. In, in listening to your calls, I, I think you do a great job on trying to, to paint the picture sort of right down the middle. I know you're the Alabama announcer, so I know you lean toward Alabama, but uh, what in, – in, can you tell us what do you see with this team coming back this year? Uh, I don't know how much you've been around them or, or, or had a chance to study them, but do you expect as good a year as what, what Alabama fans are used to? Well, I don't see why not. Uh, I have not been around them as much as I have been in years past because of my uh, cancer, uh, but I have certainly studied the program extensively, reading the magazines, uh, talking to people, and so on. Um, so, yeah, I, I expect it. You know, I, I noticed that there are a number of magazines that are out now, all these, you know, preseason magazines, and they all tend to come up just a little bit short of predicting Alabama to win the national title. But that doesn't mean anything. You know, these guys, they don't know any more than you or I or anybody else. They just take their guests and what have you. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to a good season. There's no reason why not. And there's a, a ton of talent out there on the field. There's no question. In terms of what, what we do for a living at the Mobile Sports Authority, we know there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes before you actually sort of get on the air, so to speak. Just briefly, what, what is a, a typical day at, if you're doing an Alabama home game? When do you start, and, and what is your day like? Well, it's a lengthy day, depending. Let, let's use a uh, let's use the 2:30 kickoff as the uh, as the example here. Um, we are on the air three hours before kickoff, so we're on the air at 11 11:30 in the morning. Um, then I will be to the stadium 
roughly an hour and a half before that, give or take, sometimes two hours before that. So, you know, by 9.30 or 10 o'clock, uh, I'm at the stadium. Then, of course, we go on the air, and then, you know, I hand off to other guys, and they hand it back to me. We, I don't do the entire broadcast day. And then, of course, we uh, do the game itself. Uh, you know, I, I will leave the booth uh, a couple of hours shy of kickoff and go down to the locker room and visit with Coach Saban. He likes to visit two hours before kickoff for our final little chit-chat of the week before uh, before the kick. And then, um, you know, then we do the game. And then after the game, I'm on the air along with uh, my color man for uh, about an hour or so uh, from up in the booth. And then uh, our day is done before we toss it over to, uh, you know, Roger Hoover, who takes it even further uh, through the postgame. So it's a, a lengthy day. It's a lengthy week. I mean, I begin my, my prep work uh, either on Sunday or Monday for the following Saturday. So it's uh, really, it's a, you know, you, you work, you're on the air for eight hours or so on the Saturday, but it's, it's week-long preparation. It really is. And something we talked about last week, which I don't know if Danny's even aware of and many are aware, a lot of times after that game, you're making plans to fly out or travel to an NFL game on Sunday. Exactly, exactly. Many times we'll uh, hustle right out, go to Birmingham, catch a flight to Atlanta, spend the night there, <clears throat> and then first thing on <clears throat> excuse me, the 6 a.m. flight Sunday morning, fly to an NFL city, or again, as we talked last week, if it's an 11 o'clock kickoff for Alabama, uh, we'll hustle to Birmingham after the game, and then... Uh, you know, fly out right then and there. And uh, many times, as I've used the example, uh, many times I've been in Seattle, Washington, by 10.30 Pacific time Saturday night uh, to, do, to do a game on Sunday. Um, so, yes, it's, that's what I do. Uh, that's what I do. You know, I'm, I'm a broadcaster. When there's an event to be done and they ask me to do it, I'll find a way to do it. I have to ask you, do you get you got your own personal parking place at the stadium <laughs> so you get in and out quickly? And, well, it's not my own personal parking place, but it is a space that's available to a number of the media uh, right close up to the stadium. So, yeah, we can get away. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Uh, All these years you've been broadcasting and they don't have a sign out there, this reserve free light gold? Come on. Heck no. Heck no. <laughs> Not at all. I do have a spot in one of the media lots right uh, up against the stadium. But, uh, <coughs> excuse me, but no, I do not have a uh, reserved for Eli uh, spot. That That's not the way it works. If I get, you see, I, I, I never have a problem, though, because, as we mentioned, you know, I'm there five hours before kickoff. Uh, so, you know, nobody in there, in, 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 not many people are there at that hour. I, I usually end up parking right next to Tom Stipe. Uh, I, I also used to park next to uh, Dr. Finus Gaston before he uh, retired. Uh, he would be in that parking lot. So it, that lot really is for the very early arrivers. Did Nick Saban ever late for his interview with you? He kept you waiting? 
heck no. Uh, he's he's always in the vicinity. Okay, we we are supposed to go two hours before kickoff, and it's it's taped. He and I sit in his office. We shoot the breeze a minute, then we turn the tape recorder on, or it's not even a tape recorder anymore, but uh, whatever. We turn it on and and, and tape the pregame show. You know, many times two hours before kickoff, he's in the hallway outside the locker room talking to recruits and stuff like that. So um, it's not like I've ever had to wait an interminable period of time. But when I do have to wait, it's because, you know, he's right over there uh, talking to some uh, prospective uh, student athletes. So, uh, no, the, the, the one – I don't have to wait for him. He never has to wait for me. I'm always early, early, early waiting for him. Hey, Eli, uh, this is my old school, uh, getting a little fresher and coming into the new wave. But, uh, you know, when you mentioned tape recorder and all those years of taping pregame interviews, now, thanks to Nick, he taught me I have an iPhone. I use my iPhone to tape interviews at its 10 times better quality than any tape recorder I ever had. Exactly. I, I use that or I use a, uh, a formal MP3 player, uh, which is, uh, you know, now what we do, people may not realize, I do the interview with the coach in his locker room. He has a private locker room off the coach's locker room, which is off the player's locker room down at the stadium. But before I, as soon as we finish and we're done, I get up, walk out of his office, and then I'll sit right outside his door in the vicinity of the other coaches and usually the offensive line, and I'll email, I will email the interview uh, from the stadium downstairs upstairs to Tom Stipe. So if anything happens, if the elevator breaks down, if if I stop to talk to somebody, whatever it is, uh, they're not waiting on that show. That uh, I, I literally email it as an MP3 audio file uh, from the locker room upstairs. And, you know, back in the day, as you were saying, heck, we couldn't spell MP3, let alone know what it was or use one. Yeah, Tom, I, I do many, many times. So I'll, I'll either use it. I mean, I always use one of those two modes of uh, recording, usually the iPhone. Yes, sir. All right, before I let you go, the Dex Imaging machines work well here. I'm sure they work just as well for you. Oh, they do. It's working wonderfully. Uh, and as a matter of fact, with all these recordings of uh, promos that I have to do today, uh, it'll get a good workout. I, I, I record the promo. I get a hard copy of the paper and ship it all out. I email and snail mail stuff out. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's comforting to know you've got a company like Dex and the machines that they sell and service right there behind you. Nothing like it. I'll tell you, there's nothing better than being confident at your job. I don't care what you do for a living. If you're confident, you're doing a better job. And I'm very confident because of the folks at Dex Imaging who supply me with a machine that doesn't break down. And when it does have a hiccup, they're there to fix it almost instantly. So, folks, do like I do and like the university and like uh, the radio station, we all use 
Dex Imaging for our copiers and scanners and so on. You can't beat them. Dex, that's D-E-X, Dex Imaging, and online it's DexImaging.com. All right, before I let you go, I want you to do your best when you do the promo for WZEW, the zoo here on uh, Mobile, Caring, Alabama. I always Alabama. do my best. There you go. I want, I want you to really... Put the pizzazz into that one, okay? <laughs> you got it. You Thanks. got it. Talk to you next Thursday, Eli, and enjoy Take the care, day. Guys. Thank you, guys. Good to talk to you. Bye-bye. Can't, can't imagine doing 120 <laughs> pro. I wouldn't even have a voice. <laughs> you know, in past interviews, when he was going through his cancer, he yeah. really sounded weak. He did. But today was to, strong today it's the old eli so looking forward to hearing him this uh, fall I, I go with you on that one all right we'll take a break come back um kind of an interesting little tidbit of information danny passed along to me we talked about lad we got all these new stadiums and then we're looking forward to the blunt viger game but maybe not at viger well that's check, we'll what check i with understand you. all right we'll check with you when we come back on that for Nick and Danny uh, Cordy, I'm Lee Shervanian. You're listening to the opening kickoff. And uh, we're coming up on our last segment before we hit the 8 o'clock hour. Joel Erdman, Dr. Joel Erdman from South Alabama is going to join us. We're also going to talk. Nate LaRue just signed a contract with the Toronto Blue Jays, the former Auburn catcher, and Doug Kunkel on South Alabama football. Bachelor Service, our team of the day. Uh, hopefully, we'll get Rick True on to talk with us. Um, they've been with us for quite some time now on Thursdays. They're the team of the day, and, and I think you're well aware of the services they offer. Obviously, that $79 special right up there to come out, and especially with the heat going on these days, you want to be well prepared and make sure everything's in working agreement. But they also, as we've told you, they offer uh, plumbing services for the home as well. Uh, generators, house generators they have in stock. And that energy savings maintenance agreements for heating and air conditioning and, and generators. The ongoing special, yep, $79 per system. So that's something to be very much aware of. Uh, they offer the Daikin Comfort Pros, the largest maker of air conditioners in the world. And if you have any questions or anybody you'd like to talk to, I suggest Rick True, who's on the line with me right now. Hey, Rick, how are you today? Doing well, Lee. How are you? With the heat that we've had, have the phone lines been burning up? <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, it was a couple of weeks ago. It was just completely unbelievable. Um, and, you know, we talk all the time uh, about our energy savings agreement and what's a good reason to have one and, and that certainly proved out uh, when it got so hot you know we, we're committed to uh to uh, getting to getting all of our esa customers uh the same day and that what we every one of our techs worked till 11 o'clock every day 
11, 11 p.m. because we were committed to getting to all of our ESA customers that same day. And so that there's, and I know a lot of people that don't have a regular air conditioning company were calling around trying to find anybody that would come work on their unit. It's just really hard to do during times like that, but with our energy savings agreement with that priority service plus the 15% discount, it just made it, it just, it just really illuminated the reason to uh, have one of those agreements. You said it best, Rick, better than I could say it, because uh, you're right there. We appreciate you being our team of the day Thursdays throughout, and they can reach you how? They can, uh, they can reach us at our, Two five one four seven six four three two one. Or they can go on our website at www.bachelorservice.com, and they can actually uh, do a chat with somebody or uh, just put in a request for service. Many thanks. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Ray. All right. Thanks. Uh huh. Bye bye. So we've talked about LAD. We've talked about these new facilities that have gone up. Viger has a new stadium. And I remember talking to the Viger coach, and he, he certainly made mention of the fact they can't wait for the Blunt Viger game at the new Viger Stadium. You hit me with a story today that I'm like, what? What's going on? Well, actually, WKRG reported this last night. I, I had no idea about it either that the Viger-Blunt game, the big rivalry game, is actually supposedly going to be played at LAD. Now, the first thing I thought of when I – when I heard the uh, report was that, well, if we're putting a new field in LAD, I don't believe it'll be ready by then, but it, it could be. But So I'm, I'm not sure exactly where this story is going, but it, it was announced yesterday that they're going to play it at LAD. Don't know why they're going to do that. Maybe there's some things going on at the Viger Stadium that they're not quite ready. I don't know. But uh, WKRG reported it last night. <laughs> just like, and this, of course, what just what less than a year when uh, spokespeople were saying that there's not going to be any games or you know Viger's been moving around anyway with the the condition of Pritchard Stadium. They've they've been I was so happy for them. They've been bound. They're like journeymen. Right. They've had to play in different areas, different stadiums. Now they finally get their home. I don't. This is the first time I've heard this. So. Obviously, want to touch base with their uh, football coach to find out how much accuracy there is to this. Right, and again, KRG uh, Simone Eli reported it last night, so we'll we'll see where this story goes from here. But uh, very interesting, and again, again, if we're putting new new turf in at Lad, I'm not sure if it's going to time out correctly. So we'll see. Do you expect this? Now you have Jackson State coming back this year, minus Dion. That's right. Do you expect to hit the 30,000 mark without him? We'd like to think so, Lee, but we'll just have to wait and see. Number one, it's dependent on how the two teams are doing at the time. Number two, let's face it, weather. I mean, we're in early October, uh, October 7th for the Gulf Coast Challenge, the Port City Classic, which we'll announce, officially announce today, Alabama State and Grambling, is November 4th. So we're looking forward to it. But, I mean, trying to sell tickets to a live sporting event, these days is pretty tough when we come back dr joel erdman south alabama athletic director uh will talk sports with us they have a fan fest coming up but i also want to again the relationship between the mobile sports authority and south alabama down the road so stay tuned for that
This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. Good morning into our final hour. Dan Cordy sitting in as our co-host this morning. Very pleased to introduce the athletic director at South Alabama, Dr. Joel Erdman. Kind of see the dynamics between the Sports Authority and South. Good morning, Joel. How are you today? Good morning. Good morning. Doing really good. How are y'all? Good morning, Wonderful. Joel. And before we get to that, after I booked you, I see you have your Fan Fest event coming up August 12th. What's that about? We really do, and I appreciate that. It's it's a chance for, for people in Mobile, our fans and our students and others, to uh, come to Hancock-Whitney Stadium. There's, there's several things going on. Um, last year we had our first what we call yard sale in which uh, authentic um, Jaguar uniforms, gear, in some instances footwear, shoes um, that are no longer – uh, applicable to us, we were able to, to put up for sale and, and earn some money back. Um, so there's there's great jerseys, there's great T-shirts, there's sweatshirts, shorts, uh, legitimate, authentic Jaguar gear that are on sale um, at that time at Hancock-Whitney Stadium. And then uh, people will get a chance to meet the, the, the football team, uh, members of the team, also the volleyball team. The coaches will speak and and then we go from there and encourage them to uh, go to the cage as our women's soccer team takes on Auburn that night. So it, it, it'll be a day that really kind of kicks off the 23-24 academic year, and uh, we encourage people to come on out. We're joined today by Joel Erdman, Athletic Director at the University of South Alabama. Joel, uh, I, I just want to say publicly, uh, you and I have talked, obviously, over the years and worked together on – several events but but uh, your assistance you and your staff's assistance with bringing in uh, events such as the alabama mississippi high school all-star game uh, back to mobile we started brought the the north south high school all-star game back several years to mobile at hancock whitney and i just want to say publicly how much we really appreciate and enjoy working with you and your staff you guys are professionals and and in, in talking to some of my co- cohorts in other uh, in other cities, sometimes universities aren't the easiest to work with, and I, I just want to publicly say thank you. Well, Danny, that's that's very kind, and and it's mutual. You know, we we both have uh, um, very aligned interests where we both want to do what's what's best for the the city of Mobile, and 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 in our specific interests, University of South Alabama and campus and bringing events and people from the, the southeast, from all over the state of Alabama and state of Mississippi and other areas um, to Mobile to spend money and and also be on our campus and expose uh, people to the University of South Alabama and, and in most cases, some cases, Hancock-Whitney Stadium and also the Mitchell Center and Stanky Field and Jaguar Field. That's that's something that benefits all of us. But uh, I do just want to give a shout-out to our, our, our administrative staff and our, our, our game day personnel because uh, hosting these events are great things, and it, it, it helps everybody. But with that and the bowl games, um, 
and, and other events, our people really go um, over the top, if you will, with, with hours and days and weekends above and beyond our normal schedules. And uh, they need to be recognized because they do so in a very gracious and giving way. So it's a, it's a great arrangement and agreement and partnership between the city and us, and, and it'll stay that way moving forward. Uh, and and I, I agree with your staff and, 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 and what, what a great job they do in supporting what we do. In fact, and have you, uh, one of the guys that we work with over the years that uh, obviously uh, went to Georgia Tech, Jermaine Williams, we're going to miss him. Have you guys announced a new operations director? We, we have. What we have done is restructured our facilities and, and event operations unit. Uh, and uh, reorganized a little bit and reassigned some things. And, and now Victor Cohen, who's been the longtime uh, arena manager, general manager of the Mitchell Center, is associate athletic director who oversees that unit. Uh, Antonio Birch, uh, who has been in the Mitchell Center for several years, has been promoted to assistant athletic director. Uh, Jeff Bailey, who has been with us in, in many roles, uh, will will be within that unit and and be very helpful and a leader in this regard. And then we're actually searching for another person that will be uh, somewhat of an entry level uh, position. But um, those those great people led by Victor Cohen will oversee all of our operation and facilities efforts. Joel Erdman joining us. One of the reasons, Joel, I wanted to get you on here with Danny because a lot of times we talk about down the road. Can Mobile ever be a host site for a state high school playoff game, football, and uh, maybe even basketball games in the Mitchell Center? Danny, I'll let you pick up what's what's in what's been happening, and and if both of you guys can do anything to bring these games to fruition. Well, uh, I mentioned the Alabama Mississippi All Star Football and the North South All Star Football game. Uh, and I mentioned earlier in our broadcast that a lot of times these all-star games, they don't draw the number of people that, that they used to. But it's, they're very important to the Alabama High School Athletic Association leadership. So what we wanted to do, and Joel was a part of this too, is to bring those games to Hancock-Whitney on the, on the USA campus to get the AHSAA leadership used to coming to Mobile. And, and that's kind of been the, the, the bigger idea that down the road, hopefully, that we would be able to be in the mix for the Super 7. That's, that's been the thought. And, and I don't know if Joel wants to add anything to that or not. Yeah, I mean, we, we would be um, very open to, to just looking at what does that exactly entail. And if we have an opportunity and we're for, if we're able to meet the needs of the High School Athletic Association and, and do it well, we're, we're, we're very open to that. And again, a lot of universities in other cities would say absolutely not, no. But Joel and his staff have, have just been great to, to at least to, to talk about really anything that, that we bring to them. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, for instance, we brought in the Alabama-Mississippi basketball all-star game for the first time this year. We, we could have never done that before. So, uh, again, kudos and, and a big thank you to Joel and his All staff. right. One of the issues, I guess, is these state basketball games where our teams are traveling up to Montgomery uh, two and a half, three hours back and forth to play these playoff games. 
It used to be that the Mitchell Center was available, Joel, and I remember doing games there uh, with the high school teams playing state playoff games. Is that feasible anymore? Well, it it would be feasible with with flexibility on all sides. Um, what 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 is a um, a a thing to manage now is. Our Sunbelt Conference basketball schedules have gone to what is called the mirror schedule. And in essence, the long story short on that is we, um, that means that we host whether men's or women's basketball games every Wednesday or Thursday and Saturday, every weekend from the beginning, the end of December basically through the Sunbelt Conference championship. And in the past, when we were able to uh, host the the Sunbelt would would play double headers in which you could allocate off weekends so you would have weekends here and there where the Mitchell Center would be open and we would not be playing um, along with that the, the the games that would be played every year would in theory be played every Thursday and every Saturday and we are uh, required if not strongly strongly requested if not required that that each each basketball team has a certain amount of court time the day before uh, a game and then in shoot arounds the day of the game um, and and that is something that is done at every major conference the SEC ACC American Sunbelt PAC whatever and and so what what has changed a little bit is we cannot move off those dates, and we also cannot move off the days prior for practice. And so as, as long as potentially um, that could be managed within a regional structure with the high school teams, that's a possibility. But if you look at, and Danny, correct me, the other regionals in the state, uh, three of them are at arenas, I believe, that don't host a college team at least at that time in the year one being junior college up at Hansville I believe that's right where they're basically done and then the other one is at Jacksonville State in which now we'll see what happens there because now they're moving from uh, the Ohio Valley Conference which played double headers to Conference USA which I'm assuming they'll go to some type of a mirror schedule to see how that works out so I don't want to speak for another institution but so that that's a great question and i appreciate the the chance to kind of explain to people why that is is um we we will play home basketball games whenever that week falls with those regionals and and at this time we just we're we don't think that the two can coexist together and properly serve you know primarily the Jaguars and our teams and our fans and those that we host and then also the High School Athletic Association. And just expound on that, uh, given what, what you just said, Joel, the AHSAA would, would need a second gym in Mobile, and they want a minimum of 3,000 to 3,500 seats, and we just don't have the second gym. So it... It's nobody's fault. It's just kind of how it's how it's evolved, and we'll always keep looking. But but 
and Joel and I have had these conversations many, many times, and we 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 do our best every year, but uh, sometimes things just don't work out. But if we had a second gym available, uh, th that we we could go back and forth between the Mitchell Center and that second gym of a three to three thousand plus. We might be able to do it, but the problem is we just don't have the facilities. Hey, Joel, I can't. Uh, we've kind of run out of time. Uh, quickly, uh, congratulations to you and the school for winning the Vic Bubis uh, Cup. Yeah. Uh, terrific. You know, I, it, it's almost like every year that the Jags win a uh, symbolic of athletic uh, success. The other thing is, you remember when we met last week, I asked you about Rodemaker? He is going to be in that pole vaulting uh, <laughs> this Saturday at the Dolphin Street. Right. He is. He is. He's in the elite division, as you would expect. Yeah, you know, and and I, I would encourage people to go out and see him. It's not many times that you can put your eyes in very close range on a a NCAA Division One national champion. He's mm -hmm. a uh, very special young man, and and what he did. Is, is not common for any university in the nation. Um, you've got a, you know, a Division I national champion standing right there. So I appreciate that, Lee. Thank you. And we'll be back in touch with you prior to the Fan Fest. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, right. Joe. Thanks, Joe. We'll be in touch. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, I think Nathan LaRue, the uh, Auburn catcher who signed with Toronto, is going to join us for a few minutes, and then Dunk Cuckle on Jag football coming up at 8.30. Dan Cordy will stick around. There's some other things we need to get to, and of course, uh, that has to do with soccer fields, uh, venues outdoors to attract even more youth sports to Mobile, but I'll let Danny talk about that. Hi, this is Saran Stacy. You're listening to WNSB 105.5. Authority, and I'm going to switch gears a little bit and talk to uh, a baseball standout from Auburn, Nathan LaRue, prepped at uh, McGill Tulin, and welcome to him to the opening kickoff. Nathan, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. How are y'all doing? I'm doing fine. Well, we got a release yesterday from Auburn says you're signing. Uh, you want to give us some of the details uh, where you're going in professional baseball? Uh, yes, sir. I am. Uh, I'll be reporting down to. Dunedin, Florida, right near Tampa, um, tomorrow, and be down there for the next couple of weeks um, working in their player development center. That's terrific. Uh, so I think you started over 100 games for Auburn. What kind of legacy do you think you left? Uh, what kind of a blueprint as a catcher? Um, hopefully one of, of hard work and, uh, you know, never giving up on your guys. Um, you know, you're – the whole job of being a catcher is to make your pitchers look good. And so hopefully you know, I can leave the guys that, that came after me with, um, with that kind of work ethic. Think you're going to get as tough competition like you had in the SEC with teams like LSU and Florida going down to Tampa? Oh, absolutely. You know, this is it's professional baseball. And, um, you know, everybody down there was, you know, one of the best, if not the best, from, from wherever they came from. So. Um, I definitely think it'll be good competition down there. Did uh, your one of your coaches, uh, Gabe Gross, he played for Toronto. Has he given you any advice yet? Uh, places to see once you get to Toronto, or uh, 
any uh, inside information? Oh yeah, we uh, we actually our our strength coach worked for Toronto too, and uh, they both give me a couple guys a couple guys to holler at when I get down there, and uh, give me give me a couple good places to eat because they know I like to eat, and uh, you know, they give me some good some good tips and tricks and insights and stuff. Obviously, if you could reach the majors, that's a dream come true. You know, we always hear stories about how up-and-coming players have felt about that. Can you go back in your in your baseball career and and wondering or thinking or dreaming about playing Major League Baseball? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's every every kid that's ever picked up a bat and a ball has dreamed about it at some point. And I think I think for me, it really started when I was probably four or five playing playing t-ball um with you know all, all my buddies and all the parents and everything watching um i mean it's always been a dream of mine and just to be able to have the opportunity to chase that dream is um something i'll forever be grateful for i don't know if you saw did you see the all-star game i did actually a catcher who was basically a journeyman hits a home run to win the game for the national league did that make you feel proud you know, any any time any time a catcher can hit, it uh, makes all of us proud. So, so yeah, no, it was a it was a really it was a really good fun game to watch. Um, especially you know the first two plays opening up the game, back to back catches on the wall, both to right and left. I mean, it was just you know, I mean, it was it was a fun game to watch and a lot of good talent out there. Nathan, much success to you. Uh, hopefully, we'll be talking to you as you get ready for. Well, minor league baseball, but you know the way they bring them up to the majors these days, it doesn't take too long for some of these players, so we wish you the best. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate and that. And congratulations on a great career at Auburn, which also took you to the College World Series, which must have been one of the great highlights. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was awesome. It was – I, you know, for – I tell people, you know, if you have a chance to go to Auburn, do it. I mean, it's, something, it's a place that you will always have a home in. Thanks, Nathan. Good luck. Thank you all. Appreciate it. All right. It. Doug Kunkel on the Jags, but we got time with uh, Dan Cordy. Dan, I don't want to use wrong words here, but, like, when you bring in, like, soccer. We talked about indoor, but what about outdoor uh, sports, soccer? There's so much youth soccer. Even uh, I don't uh, some of the other sports that, you know, is, is outdoors. And there's always this talk about the lack of facilities here in the city of Mobile. Is that a handicap for you? Well, uh, again, compared to our, compared to our competition, it, it is a little bit, but you just have to do with what you have. Uh, the uh, Commissioner Connie Hudson uh, pushed several years ago. In fact, 11 years ago, we started conversations that the Mobile County Sportsplex, we have three uh, grass soccer fields there going right now. The idea is to eventually get to 10, including a stadium field. The new aquatic center uh, is going to be built on that on that uh, property that's off Halls Mill Road and that's going to be a tremendous asset once we get to that. West Mobile County Park which has been a slow pitch softball girls softball park uh, uh, Commissioner Randall do it that's his district he is pushing to we're going to convert that to basically youth baseball girls softball so we'll have eight fields that a girls softball tournament could come into and eight fields a youth baseball tournament could come into so we're, we're, we're slowly getting there, but just like anything, it takes money, and uh, uh, it, it's just the priorities. But the, uh, 
when you when you build facilities like that, that will keep returning over the years because of these tournaments that you can bring in that w- that we really can't right now. Does Mobile have any advantage over the Foley's or the Gulf Shores in getting some of these events? Well, the the advantage Mobile has is our private infrastructure. We have numerous hotels from sixty nine dollars a night to two hundred sixty nine dollars a night. We have numerous restaurants. You can go anywhere and not have to really stand in line. Uh, uh, we have facil- I mean, we have things like the battleship. So we we have the infrastructure already in place. We just need to, we just need the sports facilities, and so uh, that would be an advantage. That it's probably cheaper to come to Mobile than it would be to go, say, those other places. We don't have a Ferris wheel, though, do we? Like Foley? Uh, not, <laughs> not, not, well, Foley doesn't have a Ferris wheel. That's Orange Beach. I thought they had that Ferris wheel at the... Uh, That's the Ow- wharf. Oh, okay. I, I was thinking of the Owie or whatever they call it. Oh, Owa. Well, yeah, yeah, they do They do have... That's I right. They I do have Ferris Owa, wheel one time. Owa does have, have all that stuff, yeah, but you got to pay to get into there. Well, of course you do, yeah. right. So, anyway. <laughs> Doug Kunkel next on the Jags. to go. Dan Cordy sitting in. Hey, Danny, thanks for coming by. It's, Thank you for asking having me. In there and enjoyed it. Even, I don't know if we even resolved. getting up early. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if we resolved any issues yet, but no, we certainly we're... talked enough about them. But now we're going to get into, we talked to Dr. Joel Erdman at the top of the hour. Now it's time to find out about the JAG uh, football program. And, and to that, I do want to say this segment is brought to you by USA Athletics. They remind everybody to get your tickets for that opener September 9th at Hancock-Whitney Stadium. And to see what you're going to have, well, we bring in Doug Kunkel from uh, the JAG website. Uh, he's the orchestrator of uh, JAG Sports. Good morning, Doug. How are you today? I'm doing well. I, I feel kind of big time. I, I kind of got a theme song. I kind of got a sponsor. I mean, this is really taking off, guys. It, that's that's why it took so long to get you on. We had to get all these things done before I could get you on to make you feel more important. How you doing, my friend? Everything okay? I'm do- yeah, everything's going great. Uh, yeah, it's kind of quiet time at Jags Jungle right now. It's the calm before the storm. Once media days hit in another uh, week and a half or so, I think things are going to start really taking off in terms of conversation and expectations. You say quiet. Seems like every day they're reeling in another transfer or uh, re- re- commitments. I mean, they, would they have like five or six or seven over a week a week long period? Yeah, they, they ended up with ten commitments in really about a eight or nine day period. It, it really came fast and hard when it finally did, and you know that's just kind of a trend that that trickled down to the G five level. It took a little while. The P five started really filling up in the summertime a couple of years ago. And, and now it's happening for the G5s. As players come out of the high school, realize what we knew was going to be the truth once the transfer portal and early signing period became a thing, that's it. You better lock it down quick or you're going to be left uh, without a chair in the game when the music stops. But I'm, but I'm seeing, like, Oklahoma transfer, uh, big-time school transfers now, especially in the defensive backfield. Uh, just tell me how important this is to the program. 
Well, the defensive backfield in particular is important because, you know, they lost both cornerbacks. Uh, Darrell Luter was a draft pick of the 49ers. They, they've lost. If there's one place on the team you point in and say that's the concern, maybe going into a year where the team is just about stacked as much as it could be everywhere else, it's going to be at the cornerback position. But, you know, they went out and they got, uh, they got Buchanan, the kid out of Purdue, um, whose dad was a safety for the glorious Atlanta Falcons um, a couple of decades ago. Uh, you're right, they got Jamarian Burt out of Oklahoma. They got Jamarian Burt, uh, Burt's brother, who is uh, Brian Dillard. And both these guys were big-time recruits out of high school. Dillard had some academic issues, ended up at West Georgia, played there for a year, then went to junior college. He, he can probably contribute as well. And now they, and they, you know, they did sign Reggie Neely and Josh Bledsoe back in the early period. Bledsoe's a freshman. Neely's a junior college guy. And they like what they see out of Bledsoe already, and they love Neely in the spring. So I think they're going to be in pretty good shape at cornerback now with all these bodies they brought in. Hey, Doug, Danny Cordy with the Mobile Sports Authority. Did I just hear you say the glorious Atlanta Falcons? Absolutely, my oh, friend. My the Lord. best team We're going to have NFL, some problems. The best franchise of all time. We're going to have some problems as a Saints <laughs> fan, that is. So. You're also going to have Man, problems with our board up. He's so a big Falcon I grew up in the Panhandle What's of Florida. Wrong with I was these a people? Bucks fan forever. And then I went to college <laughs> at South Alabama, and everyone around me is a Saints fan, which was a little unpleasant, but not bad, because, you know, we, were, we all sucked a lot back then. Um, but then uh, I moved to Atlanta and said, all right, I'm living here now. I'm going to adopt this team. And so I'm, I'm in with both feet, man. <sighs> Actually, I think the Falcons are going to be very improved this year. So we'll, we'll see. But uh, back to the Jags, I was looking at their schedule. They start out at Tulane. They go, they, they host southeastern Louisiana. And then they go to Oklahoma State, go to Stillwater. You know, Tulane used to be all, oh, it's Tulane, that's a that's an automatic win. Coach Womack has done such a great job, obviously, pulling together talent, so you would think that's a win. But, wow, two of the first three games going to Tulane uh, and going to Stillwater where their coach is 40 and still a man. And uh, I mean, what, <laughs> what? I mean, that's that's a tough open. It's pretty tough. I actually think um, I think it sets up pretty well. You know, it's funny. A, a lot of the metrics, you know, it's really hard to predict preseason college football now with the transfer portal. A lot of metrics have South Alabama probably winning in Stillwater wow. and Tulane being the loss on their schedule. And if you look at how Oklahoma State absolutely bled talent in the offseason this year, you can see why that's the case. I mean, they lost a lot of really good football players to the portal. So it's it's interesting because – it's a much tougher schedule and in conference than last year. Out of conference schedule is probably a little bit easier, like you're alluding to there, Dan. And um, but if South, South Alabama, in my opinion, they got a chance to go 12 and 0. Whoa, 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 hold it, hold it! Wow, that would Doug, be fantastic. I, 12 and 0. It so Lee, like I said, it's a tough schedule. It might be tougher in conference than out of conference, which is kind of a, a reversal from some Belt in many years. But South Alabama has got probably the most talented team in the conference. They probably do. Now, they got some tough games. Got to go to James Madison and got to go to Troy. And you might look at Troy and say, well, Troy beat you last year. Um, and I'll tell you that Troy's defense was the best unit on the field. But in terms of all around, good in every phase, South Alabama, I don't see anyone else in the conference that can, that can match them right now. Doesn't mean they can't lose a game. And, and you know, there's some opportunities out there for them to do just that. But if they can get past Tulane and Oklahoma State, I, I really think they could go 12-0. and And they host Southern Miss, too. And Southern Miss has is, 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 is gotten a little bit better, too. So it's 
Boy, if they if they did that, Coach Womack might be in talk of Coach of the Year. He might. Look, I, in my opinion, every day you get uh, Kane Womack as your head coach at South Alabama, you got to appreciate because it's not going to last forever because he's, he's going to be popping up on radars really soon. And I, I think if this year, even if it's not a 12-win season, if it's a 10-win season like last year, I think he's going to start getting into a lot of conversations about bigger jobs. Uh, I, I do think he absolutely loves Mobile and he loves South Alabama. I don't think he'd leave just for any job. I think he's probably more of a guy who will follow like the Billy Napier sort of strategy where he's going to hold out for a, a premium job and not just take the first bigger paycheck that comes along. But uh, eventually I see Kane Womack as a guy who's on the biggest stage of all. Doug, maybe too early to ask, but where would you rank Carter Bradley among JAG quarterbacks? Top of the list, maybe? I think I I just might have to. I know there's a lot of emotion out there for Ross Matheny and what he did for the program in that good stretch in 2013. Uh, and they, they've had some pretty good guys under center. I, you, you know, it wasn't that long ago they had, um, oh, my gosh, guys, Jake Bentley. Jake Bentley. Of, yeah, Bentley, you know, two years ago, I think would have been the guy if he had managed to stay healthy all year, but that knee injury. Due to a late cheap shot from a Troy defender, I'm never going to not say that when I talk about Jake Bentley, if that had not happened and he had completed the year, I think that might have been, in that one season, the best single season of any Jag quarterback. Talking with Doug Kunkel, orchestrator of Jag Jungle. Really good website now. You've really uh, added a little pizzazz to it, and you say it's quiet. Every time I go on there, there's always issues. Yeah, I even saw one for Lad People Stadium, Danny. I don't know if you saw that. No, I didn't see oh, that. There, no. Yeah, there was stuff about Lad in there, too. Uh, I, I contributed to that one a little bit the other day. I just posted an article that I've, I've seen running in the local news down there. Yeah, you know, like – I try to remind people all the time, there would be no South Alabama football without the existence of Lab Stadium. It is a critical part of the history of the program. But at the same time, the way things have gone down there the last several years, it could have been so much different. If, if There's all this suspicion and acrimony about South Alabama's offer to basically help them turn that area into something completely different. And in return, there'd be a stadium at South Alabama for everyone to use. That you know, just it got greeted with so much anger that it just it, it really turned a lot of people off of the relationship between uh, the city and the community and the university. I know nothing's gonna last forever, and that's gonna be uh, repaired and probably already is. But to see them struggling now about what to do with it is kind of a we told you so kind of a moment. You weren't involved in that, Danny, were you? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I know nothing. I mean, you don't want to be. I, look, I, I, I get it. There's a lot of emotion wrapped around that stadium. It's, it's, a, it's a landmark of the city. I, I totally understand why people are, 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 are just their hearts are in it. And I also know the community around there. They benefit from it being there as well. But I just don't see it being anything more than what it is now, which is it's a, it's a big money and resource drain on the area and does not give what it, as much as it gets. And I think for something to be supported by the community, it needs to be a positive, and it's just not an overall positive anymore. It could be, but it, it isn't. Well, that's what we're trying to do is turn this around and make it a positive, and this is hence the school board situation that we believe that, uh, in my opinion, that if the school board does take over that, uh, that area with the city investment, with the school board investment, that it could be a, 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 a very viable and, and – an economic generator for us and it, it is already but it could be even better right and i think you know I, i've heard talking about lower the capacity some which would be a great idea 
Uh, it generally just needs a refreshment uh, around it as well. It, it put, does. Put some more things around it that can be used by the community. They could, the, it can still happen, but it could happen a few years ago too. Yeah, that, just like some sometimes we move a little slower down here in Mobile than other places. But uh, <laughs> hey, but we're still we're still pushing, and uh, we'll continue to push, right. and and hopefully this the, the school board and city council mayor get together and and this goes forward and 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 be good things for land. I do hope that the best thing does happen. I absolutely do. And like I said, I try to remind everybody, there's no South Alabama football without Last People Stadium and the city of Mobile. So it, it's an important piece of to, to what's happened over at South. Doug, uh, how can our listeners uh, get attached to Jag Jungle? Well, you just go to jagjungle.com, and you know, you know how it is, Lee. Once you go in, you just can't get out. So that, that's pretty much how it happens. But I have to do a little, little, little Twitter here and there at Doug Conkle, although Feeling more and more lonely out there on Twitter these days. I hope it bounces back too, much like Lad Stadium. We'll see. Well, as you kind of talked about the Falcons, uh, my my heart's with the Braves. You been to any games yet this year? Yeah, I've been to a couple um, um, before it got too dang hot. June was actually a great month to go see baseball. It was one of our coolest Junes ever in a really weird weather pattern up here. Um, that's gone. It's really hot now. But yeah, it's, it's you know it's so funny because like, you you. Everyone's seen how they've been playing. I mean, I think they were 21 and two in their last 23 games. It, in baseball, you never expect to to win every single game, but you just do now as a Braves fan. It's really unusual when you don't. You don't even care about the pitching matchups anymore or anything because somebody's going to make a play, somebody's going to hit a home run, or somebody's going to get a strikeout that's going to win that game for you. And it's really, really rare when it doesn't happen. I will tell you this: the superstitious part of me says. The teams only have one or two hot streaks in the season, and I, I really wish maybe that this hot streak was a little bit later on in the season than it is right now. But you know, that could be just the, uh, the well. The here's my wish list. talking. Yeah, here's my wish list. Dave. My that the guy at the top of the lineup stays healthy. Uh, obviously, injuries are a big part, and Acuna just is finally realizing that immense potential that he's had. And, my wish is going to be that uh, Max Freed is can make an appearance pretty soon. He's starting to make some progress, and uh, Kyle Wright is going to be a little behind him. But both those guys will be like trade acquisition pickups, I think, within the next couple of months, and that's going to be huge going down the stretch. Can't thank you enough for joining us. We'll be in touch. Appreciate the information. All right, guys, take care. I enjoyed it. Glorious Atlanta Falcons. Give me a break. <laughs> that woke up Nick. Nick, uh, you have any uh, comeback on that? Yeah, look, listen, the Atlanta Falcons are going to win 10 games this year. Okay. They're going to win the NFC South. They have the I most talented offense. Okay. You want a, a drug test on Nick? Yeah, I was going to say, drug we test. need a drug testing. Drug test? Even though I think, I, I think the Falcons are going to be better. I think uh, Ritter will be better. Uh, and I think they have a good coach up there. And. It's just the Falcons, guys. I mean, I like the Braves, but for some, you know, as a Saints fan, you just can't like the Falcons. And anybody, you, you and Mark just can't get around I, the Falcons. I, I, I'll tell you who's going to be bad, the Saints. You've lost your mind. They're going to win six games. And, and, and what do you base that on? Y'all are rocking with that used car at quarterback. <laughs> it's got to be better than what they had. <laughs> it's got to be cars got to be better hope. than what they have. Actually, Carr has they they really liked how he's just kind of taken over the offense and 
uh, down there now. Can he make those throws under pressure? We'll see. But you know, Nick, you're 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 talking to the guy who brought in the sensations to Mobile. All right. Actually, we brought practice in and practice with the sensations. sensations. I just remember you just the sensations. always remember the sensations. Did well, well, that's because I played in you the played game in against the, them. You played in the flag football game. Yes. That was, that was uh, Jim Hazlitt's first year in 2000 that they were still trying to sell season tickets. So we brought them over here. Ricky Williams' second year and, and, and had them practice. And if I remember, it was like 112 heat index day. It was that hot that day. But it was pretty cool that the Saints – Actually, practice in Mobile for the first time ever. That was pretty cool. Lee, you were in a flag football game against the Sensations. Yes, the right. holding, the grabbing, <laughs> and of course, I couldn't do any of yeah, that. That was but they pre-game. Did. They, yeah, that's right. Didn't awesome. have any highlight plays. <laughs> yeah, that I came out of there without uh, any without blood hurt, on, without, without any blood without on hurt my yourself. Sh- that's right. They, they are those Sensations play tough, <laughs> and I, obviously they don't get called for penalties, and I can't do what they did. To, I can't do to them what they did to me. Did you pull at least a couple flags? Oh, I'm I'm sure he did. I didn't complain. It was fun. It was a great time. I was the organizer, not I didn't play, so uh I made the rules. Sensations won. You asked me about Nashville. He's going. Okay. All right. You've got four going next we, week? Four. We've never had that many. Wow. I I wish Super. I wish I had that many when I used to go up there and do it solo. What a great town. Nashville oh, yeah. just it's just exploded and uh, uh my stepson went to school up there for a year, and it's uh, it, it's really Vanderbilt? a neat town. No, no, he went to a, a trade school up there, a diesel mechanic school. But uh, did you hear? You know, you talk about drug testing. Uh, Nick said he's going to vote Vanderbilt to win the SEC this year. Again, keep drug testing. <laughs> I, guess, I guess we we. Can. My master I, plan is see. I now have a media vote. I'll be the one media member who voted that. And then all the other media conglomerates will want to find out who is that guy? Who's the guy who made that vote? Well, you might win that in the short term, but you blow your credibility in the long term. Oh, he's so done that. He's already done I, that. Uh, that's, already. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, he's already blown his that's credibility. That's what I'd be worried about, Nick. <laughs> hey, guys, uh, we'll come back. Uh, final comments, okay? Uh, Nick, uh, along with Dan Cordy, I'm Lou Shervanian. Uh, Danny will talk about the press conference coming up later this morning. All right? Great, great. Hi, this is Bo Manning, my co-producer of Training Days, Rolling with the Tide. You're listening to WNSP 105.5 Mobile. Fairness to Nick, at least no matter what kind of comments he makes, whether I agree well, I very rarely I'm agree. I'm about to say you don't agree, No, do but at least he finishes it off with the Eagles. That, there you go. That's well, say, that, yeah, There's yeah. something to be said for That's that. That's right. All right, tell Good me job, about the Nick. press. <laughs> and he also did Born to Run today. So Excellent. Yeah. Hey, tell me uh, about the press conference today, 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock at Lad People Stadium. We're having a press conference to officially announce the Port City Classic coming to Mobile. Alabama State will be hosting Grambling. And I don't know if you remember, I remember growing up on Sunday mornings watching Grambling football highlights and then Notre Dame football highlights. Every Sunday it was like a ritual that, that, that I'd do. But, That's uh, when uh, Robinson was coaching, right? Yes, and yes. Doug, Willi- uh, Doug Williams was a quarterback there. It, it, was, it, could, uh, it was even before that. So, uh, again, I just good memories of, of, of watching that on, on Sunday morning. There, uh, uh, the 
game will be held at Lad Peebles on November 4th, Saturday, November 4th. So uh, our second HBCU game, and, and we're looking forward to it, and hopefully you know, we'll have 20,000, 30,000. When, when these games are played at neutral sites other than Mobile, do they still get the same fanfare with the parades? And yes. The, uh, I, I mean, when they, if they go off and, let's say, stage this game somewhere else, but is that oh. fanfare, I mean, like, Mobile does it so good with the bands and the, and the parades and everything. Now, with the Gulf Coast Challenge, because we've done it several years and we've kind of learned a lot, yes, it's the parade, it's concerts. With the Port City Classic, we're probably going to start a little slower just to see how it goes. Uh, we're still kind of working out what we're going to do uh I guess extra. Well, what I'm, City what I'm glad at. about, of course, you know, and you and I talked about this a while back about Dion's comments about Lad, but obviously that didn't influence the Jackson State uh, officials. They're well, they're back. Well, when Dion made those comments, uh, little did we know he was on his way out the door anyway. He was right. He was not coming back to Mobile. He was right, but some of the things that he said were off base, and it was a lack of communication on his part. On, on some of that, about the locker rooms and, and, and all that. But the Jackson State leadership came back and said, Dion speaks for Dion, he doesn't speak for us. So we're excited to have Jackson State coming back as Alabama a and hosting them on, on, on October 7th for the Gulf Coast Challenge. Danny, we've talked a lot of uh, things that have been going on these days. Uh, certainly, Ladd became at the forefront. Um, I wanted to ask you, though, uh, this other thing. To me, I would really like to see a high school football playoff game down here now i know the super seven you know they're pretty well established or are they up at alabama and auburn things could change with that could that possibly be moved around the state i mean is it feasible to think that it's a possibility yeah yes it is a possibility and i think they are going to change to alabama and auburn the ncaa going to 12 teams means that that uh 10 days after all these games would be played at alabama or auburn they could be hosting a playoff game and I don't know of any coach that's gonna gonna really want that to happen. And what that what happens there is then it'll open up some opportunities for us in Mobile, uh, with Birmingham and even Montgomery to possibly host semifinals or even the Super Seven. So it's it's kind of evolving that way. Nothing official has been said or done. Uh, there's really not been any conversation about it, but there's been some rumblings about it. So. I would be real surprised if I'm Coach Saban, if I'm Coach Freeze, do you want uh, eight games played on your grass field 10 days before you could possibly host a playoff game? I know I wouldn't. So, and, 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 and so we'll have to see how that evolves. And, again, that opens up opportunities for us down here. Do you get much feedback from the public? Do you have people calling you, suggesting events to bring in? I do. Um, uh, again, it could be anything from pickleball on up. But What's yes, the I craziest? do. I remember, thanks to you, we had the turkey guy on, the, the turkey call or whatever That's it was. right. That's, yeah, remember that's the guy? That's been the craziest who, event we've actually the craziest host. one? That do you was, remember that, Nick, where we had the guy that did the uh, turkey calls? Yeah, I remember because we did a turkey call off. Who? I think I won. Really? Well, he he always gives credit to himself. I, I say, know, there yeah, there are two turkeys waiting by the door over here. So, <laughs> good gosh, have you ever and been those in two the yard? Turkeys with were named the, Mark and Lee. Yeah, true. Have you ever been in the yard with wild turkeys? I was. Uh, no, my, I have. My daughter in Colorado, they have wild turkeys all over the place, weren't roaming around. Down here, you hunt those. True. Yeah, you you you. you my <laughs> brother-in-law is a big turkey hunter. And they. 
People that hunt turkey. Love so that's it. the craziest thing that's come to town. I would say so. The pole vaulting I, down down Dolphin well, Street's also pretty. Crazy I think that's. Too. A, I think it's amazing. I love that. That's right. I I do too. It's just that, oh, that's eight o'clock like that. Saturday. Eight o'clock Saturday morning starts on in the entertainment district. Drew Bentley said there's over a hundred and seventy, and before you get to the elite. That's right. So we're looking at maybe 200 pole vaulters during that, the day. That's the that's the number that oh, we're hearing. You, we you got to have good weather for that. You don't need rain. No, and it's rained every year, and they they work around it. They do. They'll be there from 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. And the winner gets a Nick will be there to give him a WNSP shirt. Sure. Uh, that's just <laughs> tremendous. <laughs> you two should get together and go to a Falcon Saints game. Uh, no. Only one of us would make it back. Nick, and I got a feeling it's going to be me because I yeah. think the Saints are going to have a good season. I hope so. I hope so. I get lost on Bourbon Street. I think we all do. <laughs> Guys, thanks. Hey, Danny, have a great Thank day. Thank you so much, Lee. It's been fun. Press conference at 11. All right, I'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Uh, Joe Nyland uh, sitting in with me coming up. Dan Patrick. We got the outdoor show at noon, uh, Southern Sports, and then the final drive with Corey and Michael. And, of course, they all.